Yo, welcome to another Speaker Geeker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve-O Steve. And I'm the other host, Tommy T, the other half of the Derby Boys. How you guys doing? What's going on, man? You good? Yeah. All right. Before All right. we get into anything else, we got some special guests today. Yes, um, let, me read, let me read this intro real quick, man. In the late summer of 2000, I love this intro, by the way. <laughs> Before I get to anything, I love it. In the late summer of 2016, Garrett McQueen, shifted his career from a professional bassoonist to a radio host and content creator. Along the way, he discovered conversations within the world of classical music that deserved more attention. With the help of his friend and colleague, Scott Blankenship, the two created Triloquy, true and real conversations that challenge the status quo of classical music. Welcome to Speaker Geekers podcast guys how you guys doing man doing well thank you so much for having us you know one of the first things i want to ask i always considered that word trill one that was still sort of alive in the culture and that's right i mean so so is it am i just shooting in the dark is trill a word folks still use yeah yeah yeah. i think it is i I think think so man i think so i think it is always been that houston texas word i was gonna ask you where they came from so that answers that question there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> we grew up talking about keeping it trill and, right. and, and whatever. And of course, there's also a music, uh, you know, a, a music term, you know. Yeah. Uh, so. So, yeah, I, I just like to just wanted to take the temperature real quick and make sure I wasn't contriving something. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. No, you're good with that one, man. Um, so if you guys haven't figured out, this episode is actually about classical music. Um, these guys are into it. Um, like I read, they have their podcast, Triloquy, um, which is a dope podcast. You guys definitely need to check it out if you haven't already. Um, but before we get into the conversation, Steve-O Steve, what up? has been in your speakers this week, bro? Yo, I've been jumping around. Uh, I actually came up on somebody new, too. We'll get oh, yeah. to that. Um, but, man, uh, like I've I've said in a couple other podcasts, you know, we have those I had dinner. We cut the TV off. Yeah. Put the music on. And uh, this week, uh, we had a couple, couple playlists going on. So man, I I took my my wife had never heard the Jagged Edge, the Jay Heartbreak album. I saw you so, yeah. post about that, man. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the uh, that was the dinner soundtrack. Oh, okay. Uh, for one of the weeks, and then the next day we kind of went over to Erica Badu. Man, I just love Erica Badu. Yeah. I just listen to all the time. You can't be can't mad at Erica Badu. I know. I know. Uh, checked out the two new Drake records. Uh, I guess technically the DJ Khaled and Drake, but yeah, uh, I like them both. I like Do them you? both. Yeah, you don't. I, I guess I gotta listen to it again, man. I I ain't feel it when I listen to it. That's weird. <laughs> normally I don't. Right, right. Because I'm not a Drake fan, but I like these records, man. <laughs> uh, you know somebody that, uh from chat produced one of the songs that I did not know. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go back and look then. Yeah. Cool. Uh after that, I was on social media and I came across uh I came across Buster Rhymes. So, man, I had to go and listen to some Buster Rhymes, right? Busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to hear some new Buster Rhymes stuff. I really, really do. Um, and then after and then because of Buster Rhymes, I ended up coming across uh someone new called Stove God Cooks. He was playing one of their songs in his uh, Facebook videos. Yeah. And it, it just sounded so nice. So what I did was, hey, I went and looked them up. You know how I do. Started going yeah. down in rabbit hole. So, but yeah, that's pretty much what it was for me for this week, man. What, what did y'all have? So uh, Garrett and Scott, 
what has been in y'all speakers this week? Whoever oh, wants man. to go first. <laughs> well, um, you know, on the last, um, so so a, a couple episodes of our podcast ago, uh, we were kind of talking about, um, you know, speaking of Nashville, talking about roots music, talking about um, country music and and black involvement in that genre. So mm-hmm. honestly, um, th- these past few days, I've really been digging into some of that. Uh, on the last opus of our podcast, we talked about Charlie Pride. Uh, so I've been uh, going back to a little bit of that. You know, of course, got to uh, get into the Dolly uh, Parton. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've, I've really been dedicated um, to, to doing my best to uh, digging into uh, country as this genre that, you know, bl- black folks don't always uh, participate right, in. Right. Just to open up my own perspective. You know, if I'm going to ask folks to do that about uh, classical, what I, what I call so-called uh, classical music, it's yeah. up to me um, to do the same thing. So I've actually been uh, listening uh, to uh, uh, a little bit of country. So yeah, a uh, shout out to Charlie Pride, uh, Dolly Parton. Um, on the uh, on the more hip hop side of things, you know, I'm still checking. I, I'm, I'm still here for for Megan. The, the, these past few months, I've, <laughs> I have really been a part of the Stallion Army. I got um, her, her flip of uh, Boys in the Hood. You know that song, Girls in the Hood. I've I've really been appreciating that. That's that's uh, that's real big on my list. I was listening to it before I, I signed on here lately actually so uh, a little random but 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 that's me a little bit of country and a and a little bit of the the female hip hop i got you i got you what about you scott well kind of like what garrett said <clears throat> excuse me kind of like what garrett said uh, the last few opuses of our podcast have me listening to Kebmo and J.S. Andara. And one of the things that we talked about, you know, Garrett said he hears that slide guitar in country music and wants to turn around and walk out. I just whatever, feel like I'm somewhere that's not safe. Play. Yeah, <laughs> now, but you see that, that is, uh, you know, that like lap steel sound that you hear in country music a lot, I, I think has migrated over to the white sound because if you want to, I'm going to introduce you to more, black musicians who are playing like Delta blues mm-hmm. okay, and you know, uh, some slide guitar that I think that you'll identify with a lot. Um, to that end of like all this roots music, there's a new guy named JS Andara mm-hmm. and he's got such a pure voice and the way that his music is recorded or performed whichever way you want to, um, talk about it is really letting his voice just shine. You know, the, so it's, um, it's all about the artistry. And like Steve said, I've been jumping around a lot too, walking my dog around the lake, um, uh, trying to go back to some music that make, used to make me feel good, like listening to the Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Parliament. Uh, yeah. Old school. yeah, I'm with the parliament. Yeah, <laughs> old, old, old school stuff like that, because I have to admit a lot of this new stuff on the, you know, the the stuff that they talk about on Joe Budden podcast mm-hmm. and Megan Thee Stallion and all that. I'm just way behind. You know, I, I, I really should do better about seeking out new music, but I like being in a rut. I mean, yeah. but I I feel behind a lot of the time too. You know, all these lulls that are running around. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I just don't have time. So you know, yeah. but 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 I do appreciate doing my and and you know that that's why um, you know kind of getting into you know um, why we formed uh, Triloquy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, as we've seen, you know, the podcast world has has really exploded and really shapes the way uh, people think about. 
um, just about everything, including music. So, you know, when I listen to uh, my hip hop podcast and, you know, try to keep up that way, there's a lot of stuff that falls on the wayside, but then some stuff where I'm like, oh, let me, let me write that down and, uh, and make sure I listen to that. You know, Steve, you yeah. mentioned those two uh, DJ Khaled uh, Drake tracks. I, I haven't gotten to them yet, but, but, but that's on my list, you know, th- thanks mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, content creators and, and, and what we're doing to really uh, propel uh, all, all these little conversations, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's the and that's the key, man. It's like um, people come from all walks. You know, music is music. It's it's designed to make you feel better. It's designed to make you move. So you know, like I like everybody I always write down what people have been listening to. You know, so I can go back and listen to it, even if I don't like it. Like I don't listen to country music at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely gonna check out these. Uh, who is it? Charlie Pride? And of course, I know who Dolly Parton is. I went to UT. But, yeah. um, oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I never listened to her or even looked at her as a musical artist. You know what mm. I'm saying? So, yeah, like, I always do that, and it's, and it's designed for that, you know? Um, I guess I'll bring up the rear with what I've been listening to this week. Um, and I wasn't everywhere. I was, like, one pocket, and then I got out of that pocket. Um, Paternity Leave by Starlito. Steve, yeah. thanks to you, bro. <laughs> um, then I got into uh, Spode. You ever heard of him? Yeah, you talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I don't know how I got to him, but uh, God bless the child. That was one of his uh, albums. Got into that one. Then I got to Moneybag Yo, Forever Heartless, mm. and then um, I stumbled upon Leanne Lahavis, 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 um, and. Greg told us about her. That's what uh, mm. Coco in London, like some of the, the inspiration for for them, came from her or whatnot. One of the songs she uh, he did or produced, you know, she was uh, one of the samples. So um, I started listening to her. Her album is amazing, by the way. If you guys haven't heard it, go listen to it. It's amazing. What's her and, name again? Uh, uh, Leanne Lahavis. Um. Yeah, that's the that's her name, and then that's the name of the album too. So, and who was um, the stove guy? The stove guy you said you stove cook stone. Yeah, stove uh, hold on, give me one second. Stove, stove <laughs> God cooks. Yeah, that's what it was. I wonder, I wonder what he's that, cooking. Hmm. <laughs> right, I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's that real like old school New York with those samples. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, yeah I gotta check that out. And then it's funny, man. Um, my, I always pay homage to Memphis. Uh, I was listening to Project Pat. Get it green, man. <laughs> Got to. Got to. You know, you you mentioned uh, Moneybag Yo, and I've already laid out that I'm a member of the Stallion Army. You know, yeah. so when Megan the Stallion did that song with Moneybag Yo, yeah. and I hear, um, you know, the, the Memphis rap influence right yeah. from the beginning, I'm yeah. like, okay, so this, this is something I can... I, I can right. listen to. Yeah, right, I right. always got to always got to pay homage to Memphis. Right, uh, a very exactly. unique and very important corner of hip hop. Right. Right. Um, yeah, man. So that'll round out my week, man. Um, any news this week? Well, it's a lot of news this week, man. What you what you heard this man. week, man? It's too much news this week. This has been one of the craziest weeks for news. Uh, first off, we got to look at um, I know last week we mentioned the whole uh, Lil Marlo. That was his name, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, murder in Atlanta. So the authorities and, and some people around Atlanta are coming out to say that it was actually a hit on him, mm. which is interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't have any more details from that, but that's kind of what I heard coming out of that. So, yeah. Uh, once again, rest in peace to him. And, um, man, he really had a promising career to be oh, cut yeah. short. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Actually, absolutely pretty interesting. Uh, kind of going into some more news. Of course, we got the whole situation with Meg Thee Stallion. <laughs> yes, which is her. My goodness, I don't know where this story is going. I don't know who or what or where or when, but uh, Meg was, if you don't know, Meg was shot in the foot. Uh, She was in a truck with Toy Lanez in L.A. when they was pulled over. And I think Toy Lanez was arrested, but uh, Meg was sent to the hospital. and She had surgery on the foot or whatnot. She came out and she's saying that, you know, she's not really telling who did it or how it how it was done. But yeah. I, I, thought she, I, I thought she did confirm that Tory shot the gun. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I think it, it was confirmed that he shot it. Well, I know TMZ said that there was room, you know, people saying that Tory was the one who shot in the foot. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't heard anything from yeah. ever since that. I kind of, I'm pretty, uh, I take TMZ with a grain of salt. Do but, y'all think it's a lover's quarrel? I don't know what it is. Like, <laughs> like the way she, she got on uh, Instagram, I thought she got shot in the chest. Mm. Or the neck or something, man. She got well, shot I guess when you get shot anywhere, it's, yeah. it's a big deal to you, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like it's definitely a big deal, but, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I don't know. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. So. What y'all think happened? Um, I don't, I honestly, I didn't even see them being together, so. I like, got I a couple, I got a couple different theories. One is, I really think someone was playing with a gun. Uh, whether it was Meg or, or um, Meg Artor, and just so happened it went off and someone got shot in the foot. Yeah. Playing around with the gun. So that's why I think happened. But who knows? You who knows? know, I, I, I think that uh, Megan and Tori went to this party. Uh, Scott, in case you don't know, it was, uh, it was one of the Kardashians' house, I think they were at, um, mm-hmm. or, or, or one of them anyway, for this big party. You know, Megan the Stallion being the, the big star she is, as popular as she is, not that Tori isn't, but, you know, as yeah. uh, Megan the Stallion, you know, being as, as huge as she is right now, I'm sure she was getting a lot of attention. Maybe mm-hmm. a, a young man or maybe even a young woman was kind of, you know, getting comfortable with her and, and Megan was getting comfortable back and Tori didn't like that. And here we are. That's, that's what I like to, <laughs> that's what I assume happened. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure on that, man, but I don't know. I can't, I can't even think of a story as to why they were together or why they wasn't together or whatnot. So, um, I pretty much don't know. Like it's, it's interesting to see them together though. I think just because, um, those two artists are completely different. You know, yeah. one hand you got Megan the Stallion, who's the Stallion, and then you got Tory Lanez, who little five who, three, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, why are they together? You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I really can't put my finger on that one. Um, hey, Steve just walked away. Okay, uh, <laughs> another <laughs> bit of news, maybe or something. Yeah, another bit of news. Um that I looked at was Nick Cannon got fired. And we're going to talk, we're going to talk about that tomorrow, Scott. Have you heard much about this Nick Cannon stuff? I don't even have an opinion. (laughs) Really? It's it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to have one. It's hard to have an opinion on it really with fear of saying the wrong thing. Right. Right. And that, and that was the thing. It was, it was kind of like me and me and uh, my wife uh, was talking about it. And it's like, I really, I'm really wasn't clear on what he said that, um, 
you know, that was so offensive. But we've gotten into a time where everything we say is going to be offensive to somebody. Mm -hmm. And we need to figure out how we can say things. Now, the one thing that I did say was Nick Cannon's Wilding Out show is big enough to actually stand on his own. Like, Wilding Out is big enough to, like, he can, I don't know, like, the legality part of it, of everything, but he pretty much can produce that show again on his own platform. Yeah. And it'd be as successful as it was being on MTV for so for so long. You know what I'm saying? Scott, I don't know if, you, uh, if you're familiar with Wildin' Out, but um, imagine whose line is it anyway yeah. meets rap. You right, know, right. Um, I, I, I thought it was I think it's a, a phenomenal show. But what it boils down for me, you know, what I think that conversation is, is a conversation of ownership. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Nick Cannon um, created this and, you know, is uh, has a hand in everyone who's on the show, the guests, the Wild yeah. Out girls, the, you know, the, the teams. But because he did not own it, that plug could right. be pulled so quick, you know, and right, I think that's right. the, the bigger conversation, you know, are, are we in spaces, are black folks, our content creators in spaces in which um, they have room to um, mm-hmm. sort of learn and, and rehabilitate maybe from, from a wrong step they've made, or are they in a position to where one bad thing can get the rug pulled up from, from up right. on you? I, I think we really need to be paying attention to that these days. Right. Right. Because I mean, like uh, you think of what else was he hosting? Uh, I never watched any of the other the shows. Vo- like not America's the voice got, or America's Got Talent. Yeah. America's Got Talent. It was something else, and he was the executive producer on something. He's got um, a radio show over right. in California, I believe, his own podcast. Yeah. It's like, are those shows affected by what's going on with him today or whatnot? And how does, how do, like, where does he go from here? Like, he's always going to be, as far as, like, being okay, as far as, like, taking care of his family and stuff, I'm not worried about that, but it's like, is he in a space to where he can pivot and move on to the next thing? You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing that I'm, I'm like trying to pay real close attention to as to see what's the next step for him. Because I watch uh, the 85 South show with uh, Mm -hmm. DC Young Fly, um, um, Carlos Miller, and uh, man, Chico Bean, yeah, you know, I watched their show, and of course, they're a part of Wildin' Out. So it's like me and me and Artica was both like, well, are they going to talk about like the new, like their new reality or, or whatnot? So I'm curious to see where that's going to go. Um, I mean, and, and then with the whole thing of of cancel culture, you know, yeah, and 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 yeah. everything, you know, can, uh, at what point is it going to be unsafe to openly affirm? Um, Nick Cannon. I mean, let, let's face it. We, we didn't even talk about drumline, right? You know, and, and that is integral <laughs> to right. the culture, as far as I'm concerned. You know, but yeah, again, it, it's just so hard to get the the rug pulled out from up under you yeah. if you are not in that ownership position. If mm-hmm. the content does not belong to you, yeah. and I think um, I think this is a a big lesson that um, uh, the world uh, ha- has learned uh, right. when it comes to that um, c- concerning the specifics of the conversation, the anti-Semitism. You know, it's hard for me to traverse because I I feel like I might be saying the wrong thing. But the the question I was left with was, is it anti-Semitic to um, just lay out the fact that a lot of these positions of power are held by Jewish people? You know, a Mm -hmm. a Jewish person did not create Wild and Out, yet... um, 
you know, folks who are either Jewish or have uh, connections enough to um, to call foul on some of the things he said, you know, mm-hmm. they're in the positions to pull the plug on it. So it's hard for me to not see that as an example of exactly what he was talking about. But I think right. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you know, right, right. <laughs> um, another piece of news. Um, I saw this yesterday. Jill Scott's been um, like uh, what was her first album? has been out for 20 years. Wow. Like, put that in perspective, man. Let's Take a Long Walk has been out for 20 years. I remember watching the video, like, on, on like, BET, just watching the video, and, and like, oh, this song is really bumping. It's been out for 20 years. So shout out to her and her career, man. Um, last bit of news that I have, man, it's kind of sad, um, but... It makes us makes me think about where I am today and where I would be without these guys. Um, we lost two legends this week. Congressman John Lewis, the age of 80, and also Minister C.T. Vivian at the age of 95. Those guys were civil rights leaders, um, friends with Dr. Martin Luther King, um, did a lot for our community. And uh, we lost those two legends this week. So definitely got to say, hum, pray, uh, pray for their families, be um, sending sympathy and empathy towards their families and everything like that. So, um, Steve, were you done with your news? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so that's all I have for this week. Um, let's get right into it, guys. Triloquy, please. I know we we talked about it a little bit earlier, but tell us more so how you guys got together um, and how we, you know, pretty much like about the podcast a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so uh, as, as you laid out, I began my career as a professional bassoonist. I, I play with orchestras for a mm-hmm. living. And uh, around 2016, I started transitioning um, into radio um, and, and media. So I, I got a, a, a little side gig um, as an afternoon classical host. Uh, the work I was doing at the intersection of race and classical music mm-hmm. got the attention of a lot of folks. And, you know, long story short, uh, that led me to uh, my current uh, position as a national uh, classical music host, uh, host of Music Through the Night, is actually um, a position that uh, Scott held previously. So he was a, a big part of my training and my onboarding. And, you know, uh, uh, through that, we just, uh, you know, sort of became friends and started hanging out a lot. Um, and then along the way, I, I decided that um, certain conversations that I was hearing in media, specifically podcasts that I really um, uh, resonated with, I was not hearing that in the classical space. Yeah. So um, I, I felt like um, I needed to create that. And yeah. um, and, and and Scott was uh, who I uh, felt like was the best person to, to help me do that with, you know, all of his uh, uh, production experience, you know, experience as a, a radio host, and then plus our very different perspectives, you know, coming together to uh, to, to dive into this conversation um, is really what's fueled this whole thing. So, you know, we, we try to keep it as uh, as trill as possible, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, breaking down, um, you know, the, the idea of exactly what classical music is. Yeah. And, 
uh, and then more recently, you know, uh, breaking down ways in which folks that look like us mm-hmm. and folks that look like Scott can engage these conversations in a meaningful way and turn those conversations into action. So, you know, that, that that's what it all is um, in, in a nutshell and then uh, connecting it uh, to music. Is, is, did, did I miss anything, Scott? No, I think you got it more than covered. But, you know, I have to say that this thing didn't it, this didn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to turn out. Right. <laughs> OK, because um, I'm 50 and I know that in order for this medium, for public medium and and thereby anything that gets out over its airwaves to continue and progress, we have to have a next generation coming mm-hmm. in. And so my idea was to be the producer that yeah. I would you know, sort of pare down the interviews and uh, make sure that we've got studio space reserved and all this kind of thing, because I wasn't sure what my voice in this was going to be, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that's a question that I ask Garrett a lot. We're, we're, we're trying to both be very conscious about who this next generation is and, yeah. you know, we're trying to define it in a way that is better for everybody. Well, in, until I learn how to use Ableton, Scott, your job is safe. <laughs> oh, so this is okay. I'm just joking. I'm kidding. Uh, I'll be. I'm going to be dragged. I'm. I'm petted in private and dragged in public. Oh, I I'm, joking. I'm joking. <laughs> well, no, I'm, but it's been it's been wild though because uh, we we produced this at first under the umbrella of American Public Media. It's a yeah. big machine, you know. Yeah. And there were and there were guide rails in place. And after it was handed off to us, now we're producing it independently. Mm-hmm. It's you know, this is uh, Garrett owns everything now. Yeah. Um, it's taken off in a way that I don't think either one of us were anticipating, you know, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of a lot of good on the horizon, I think. And, and to circle back, you know, quickly to that conversation of, of ownership, you know, us being that independent voice has really allowed us to uh, engage conversations uh, again in that trill way and yeah. that unapologetically um, honest way. And I right. think that that um, really makes the, the content better. Um, and it's something that more of these organizations uh, need to start paying attention to, paying attention to the fact that um, uh, black culture, conversations of race, everything that involves people of color is what drives everything these days. So uh, public media, um, classical music, all, all of these traditionally um, white institutions need to start to wake up to that to, to really um, understand mm-hmm. how they're going to survive in the future. Tril- Triloquy has only grown, uh, and 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 not to you know not to speak badly of American public media because you know they they were a, a huge part in, in helping us really solidify what this thing is. But mm-hmm. you know I, I think what uh, the organization and uh, both of us, what what we've learned in the process um, is that people are really looking for something. Um, that is honest and something that is real. And 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 in the way that um, conversations of race are happening these days, um, I, I feel like it's the, the perfect moment for Triloquy. So I'm, I'm so glad to uh, do it. And I'm glad that, you know, we were here before everyone started to to talk about it, you know, yeah, with, with the yeah. with the tragic uh, death of uh, the tragic murder, I'll say, of George Floyd here mm-hmm. in the Twin Cities. You know, everybody all of a sudden was awake to race. Well, you know, this is something that Scott and I um, were, were already over a year deep into, you know, yeah. uh, when it comes to our particular corner of, of all of this. So it, it, it's really been uh, uh, phenomenal. I would be lying if I didn't say there were several headaches, uh, yeah. several sleepless uh, nights and sleepless days. But, yeah. you know, here, here we are pushing on. I, I couldn't be more grateful. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I I get everything you're saying, man, because you know, even with our podcast, man, it's it's pretty much it's ours, you know, um two friends that grew up together. We pretty much came together and was like, hey, let's let's talk about things that that brought us together in the first place. And that's music. That's really rap, you know. So he's a few few years older than me. So it was like it was kind of like a big brother, little brother type deal, you know, and he would introduce me to all these different uh, music and stuff. He put me on mystical, you know, what I'm oh, saying? Really? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, was, it was like all this stuff that he put me on and, you know, being able now to go back as adults and, and talk about what we're listening to. We get to see each other's children grow up and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty dope what space we're in. Um, and then we're able to say, hey, can you guys come on and tell it and basically talk with us about what you guys have with classical music? Because I'm going to be completely honest, classical music is something that I'm like, nah, I'm going to pass on it. But, yeah. you know, now it's I'm longing for a different sound like me producing this podcast and producing the other podcast with with my wife. I'm starting to pay attention to the production side of music, you know what I'm saying? The different sounds that come about um, and stuff like that. And live music, I love live music, live music. So just to say, okay, so explain to me what is classical music versus what I'm listening to um, every day in hip hop. I, I think um, me and Steve talked about it. Rick Ross is, is one of the closest that I can say that uses classical music in his, uh, hmm. in his music. So, what other artists or for, for two questions, what is classical music in an explanation for somebody that doesn't listen to classical music? And then for somebody that's a hip hop head or a rap fan, what are some of the artists that I can go back and listen to and say, OK, I hear that that music, that classical music there. I am. I am so glad that you you, you know, understand that defining classical music is a question, you know, what yeah. is classical music? And that's something that um, Scott and I um, explore so much in the podcast. Um, where I am now with that question and the reason why you'll always hear, you'll often hear me use the phrase so-called classical yeah. music. So when, when folks use that phrase, they're thinking about, you know, the, the orchestral music drawn from uh, Western European traditions, okay? Yeah. But um, every culture in the world has a, a so-called classical music Music and music that is um, sort of a classic to uh, that experience and, and, and that dialogue. So um, when, you know, when, when folks tell me uh, when was I first exposed to classical music, I tell them as a child in the church, because when you talk about black church music, you're mm -hmm. talking about the connections it has to that original Negro spiritual. Yeah. And um, if there is any music that is uh, purely American music that sort of grew from the soil of America, it's the Negro spiritual. Okay. So when you go from there, you get into um, the, the blues, you get into the mm -hmm. gospel, you get into the rock and roll, you get in, into um, uh, jazz, what, what eventually um, became R&B. You know, you talk about hip hop. So, um, you know, we're always trying to flip that notion of classical music on its head because the way we've been taught about it, the way it's been defined has um, been written with that with that white lens, with that yeah. white gaze. And um, and, and we're here to. Um, to, to break that down. I mean, did, did you have any uh, further thoughts on, on that so-called classical music, Scott? If you want to be particular, classical music is an era. 
It's like a 50 year era, like 1770 something to 18, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that with everybody lumping anything that is orchestral or chamber, you know, like smaller ensembles of strings, it all gets lumped into classical, right? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, like, like you said, Tommy, I'm going to pass, you know? (laughs) So like when you, when you say I'm going to pass, the reason is what? Is it, is it not exciting enough? Does it yeah. feel stale? Things it's like a, that? For me, it's, it's like what I'm looking for. Like I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm a Southerner who loves the beat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I need to feel the vibration, you know? So I'm looking for that first. And then I'm listening to the lyrics for, in my idea of classical music, it's something real soft. Mm. You know, sure. <laughs> you yeah, know, like it's 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 like it's it's soft, like music that I'ma hear in the movie, in the background. You know, right. And for me, as a m- my growth of learning about music and and wanting to learn more about music, it's I know it's something that I, that I need to sit down and listen to. I know it's something that I need to sit down and dissect because I have to be able to make the connection from classical music to what I like to listen to mm-hmm. because for me, that's important because it, it brings a different type of sound. And yeah. me and Steve talked about that um, previously in one of the podcasts about the, the sound that we're producing with music and how important that is, you know, um, especially for me because I'm listening more so towards the beat and how the beat makes me feel versus what's being said. Because a lot of times I don't even understand some of these rappers today, you know. What Again, all these lulls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like, you know, I don't understand what they're saying, but I love the beat. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then yep. eventually I go back, maybe read the lyrics or listen closer to what they're saying. But the beat is what catches me. Yeah. Sure. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's the that's the pass on classical music, because with classical music, it puts me I hate musicals which is weird. Same. No, me too. <laughs> I me hate too. musicals, but that's what I think of classical music. Oh, right. it's, it's a musical, so classical music is going to be in this, you know. And so, and like, with, with, like with a musical that uh, everybody steps outside and they all know the dance steps yeah, yeah. and everybody just, <laughs> you know, just breaks into song. I can't stand that either, so yeah. I avoid that. But I think that kind of like what you were talking about, you know, you have one part of a certain uh, piece of music that you like, the beat mm-hmm. and that gets you going. I think that if you and Garrett sat down and talked a little bit, he could probably come up with something from quote unquote classical music that would resonate with you. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people get that idea in their head that it's soft and, and it's for relaxation and it's yeah. for ease and out. The thing is, is that all of these composers were treated no better than servants you know, yeah. not, not all of them, many of them were treated no better than servants. And when they were out on the road, they were shagging groupies and ruining hotel rooms, yeah. all that kind of stuff well before. I, I, think, I think that uh, Beethoven probably would have survived really well in today's yeah. musical environment. Don't you think, Garrett? I mean, 
I think it's important to say that the rappers these days live better lives than these these European composers did. Certainly, mm-hmm. certainly the black folks uh, uh, writing the so-called classical music uh, toward the, the earlier 20th century. Um, you know, you, you asked. Um, so the second part of your question was asking about um, artists, you know, with, with that classical connection. And again, I think it's really important to really uh, ingrain um, the the problematic nature of that uh, that phrase classical music when you consider that question you know so mm-hmm. if we're going to uh, understand the truth of the Negro spiritual being uh, America's classical music understanding what that evolved into you yeah. know it's it's easy for me to think about um, someone like Nas being yeah. um, sort of that uh, that bridge through uh, especially Illmatic um, yeah. you know when you listen through that album you're hearing so uh, much of that symphonic sound uh, the, the big track from that album life's a bitch you know mm-hmm. it ends with the cornet solo right um yeah. and that's and i believe that's Nas's dad uh playing that uh cornet solo and of, of course folks will hear that sound and and connect it more with with jazz but you know that's that's just another offshoot from that uh, yeah. uh another uh, you know when i think about uh, my early days listening to hip-hop uh you know when i was like four or five years old six years old waking up on saturday mornings music videos would just yeah. be what's <laughs> on so you know thinking back to those days i'm thinking about naughty by nature all yeah. of the piano that's in um I, i'm thinking about um uh, OPP, you know, the, the mm-hmm. piano line in that. I'm thinking about uh, uh, Queen Latifah, you know, uh, another uh, artist that that was, that was going through those days. How if you go back and listen to um, uh, Black Rain, how mm-hmm. um, you can hear the jazz and, and, and the instrumental aspects of that music. Um, these days, I'm trying to think of an artist these days that has really uh, made that uh, classical connection. You know, you have Drake who has done the um, the orchestra concerts. I, I would think he did one in Nashville, if um, if I'm uh, if I'm remembering correctly. You know, just tur- turning his music um, on its head and and into that symphonic sound. You know, uh, last year back in 2018, um, Nas actually uh, uh, gave a performance with the Detroit Symphony. You know, yeah. so um, uh, again, I, I think all artists, all rap artists, all um, R and B, you know, wh- whatever you want to say, I think um, it, if it's American, it's all going to loop back down to that Negro spiritual, and um, and therefore, I believe that there's an argument that can always be made about the classic nature of the, the classical connections of all of this music, whether that's uh, bluegrass, mm-hmm. whether that's blues, jazz, even hip hop has those connections. Yeah. Yeah. Would you go to a Kanye opera? Would, Would I? I? Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's what, I, that's what I'm at. That's what I'm curious. Like, so does opera fall into the same category as classical and musicals for you, Tommy? I, yeah, it does. Okay. So <laughs> it does. Like. So Tom, uh, so if you would go to an opera that Kanye wrote, Perhaps that plays into something that me and Garrett talk about frequently, meaning that if you see somebody doing something on stage, then that mm-hmm. makes you feel like, oh, okay, this is for me. No, like for me, I'm a fan of Kanye's and his is like the, what are they called? The Sunday choirs? Mm-hmm. Oh, Sunday I service. Think, yeah, yeah service. Sunday service. I think that's the dopest thing I ever saw because it's literally taking the music that I listen to and switching it to making it gospel music. Like I've Mm -hmm. never been a fan of gospel rap, but I've always been a fan of gospel music. Like even the old, like you pull out the old hymnals and stuff like that. And so just the creativity to think, let me do that. 
you know, let me take, uh, he took a Tupac song, made it a gospel song by switching the lyrics around, by, you know, changing up the melody a little bit, but you knew it was a Tupac song. I mean, you, know? you, you, you said you, you, you know, you have always enjoyed gospel music, opening up that hymnal. What I hear you saying is that you are a fan of classical music, right. that, just, that, that, just, just not what the white institutions <laughs> have deemed classical music. Right, 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 right. And so, and that's, and that's where that question came from. What is classical music? Because I could be confused about what I'm thinking classical music is. I could say, oh yeah, I enjoy this type of music here and it's considered classical music, you know? Um, and that's the thing that I struggle with just because I don't know. I've never been interested in like sitting down and actually studying Okay, well, this is considered classical music because it took me this week to figure out Zaytoven was like basically Beethoven with with a Z on. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's like all this time I've been listening to Gucci and, and Zaytoven and all this stuff, and never never made the connection. That's I told you about that, Steve. Probably like two days ago. Oh well, <laughs> I, I kind of knew it for for yeah. quite some time. Um, and it's amazing because actually y'all have completely changed my outlook on what it was, uh, what classical music is. Because I always I told Tommy this before that I'm kind of like a closet fan of it because I would listen to it, but I didn't know what I was listening to. It, so I, w- I didn't know what I was listening to. So I didn't talk about it as much because I just wasn't sure. I knew who Beethoven was, knew about Bach and, and all these things. I just didn't know exactly what was going on, but I always loved to listen to it. All the way from a kid, all the way up until now, uh, till now, and even when at, at BMI in my department that I worked in, I worked in an apartment with TV operations. So, a lot of stuff they got played on TV. We get the cue sheets, we line it up, make sure our people get paid. So a lot of those songs would come through. Like I would see, what's it called? Like Beethoven number, uh, um, symphony number, whatever. Yeah, symphony number, number what, whatever. Yeah. yeah, and I had to make sure I knew what it was, and I even had other teammates like. Uh, like one of my teammates named Joel, he would kind of tell me exactly what it was. So it's amazing that y'all just completely changed like what I thought classical music was. Because I would listen to Nas and hear that piano played in the background. Even with Zaytoven, he's like amazing on the piano. They've even showed him playing it. Uh, And then I'm a fan of like some of those instruments. I just never knew exactly what it was to speak on. So... I think it's a shame that many people like that think that, uh, like yourself, think that they have to have some sort of special knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we got to bust through that. You can listen to it just because you like it, you know. Um, And there are plenty of instances in hip hop and rap where they, you know, the hook is a string section. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so and that's one of the things that Garrett and I have talked about in in, on our podcast is uh, if young kids in schools were taught to play along with some of their favorite rapper hip hop tracks, mm-hmm. then maybe you would have more people playing music, uh, playing music that's more closely associated with a concert hall. Who right. Knows? Right. Imagine, you know, the, the little kid that um, had the piano just happened to have a piano in the house and then heard, let, let me think of a, a famous track with piano in it. Um, Cream. OK. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and just picking out that piano part, you know, think about the, the deeper connection that that kid has to that song, you know, mm-hmm. but then yeah. also to that instrument that, that's sitting in, in, in the house. It, it's a relationship that um, hadn't always um, really been embraced 
um, because again, of the notion of this so-called classical music. It's separate, you know, it belongs in the concert hall, it's what the white people listen to, but 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 there's so much melding there. Um, uh, while I'm thinking about it, you know, there's this um, there's this duo that's been on Triloquy and that I've performed with several times. Uh, they uh, Jeff uh, Jeffrey and Andrea McNeil. They go by uh, the Phantom and the Phoenix, yeah, and, yeah. and and they had the um, uh, the uh, Illharmonic Orchestra. You know, so their idea is uh, taking these um, you know the most classic of, of of European classical music, tying it with the 808s, putting in um, these verses on it as a way to to um, let people understand, especially younger listeners, that there is a connection here. Now, once they hear somebody uh, rapping on top of uh, Mozart 25, you know, maybe they'll go and listen to the original, or maybe they'll go branch off into something else. Maybe they'll explore uh, one of these black composers that are mm-hmm. around these days. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, again, it's all about that connection, breaking down those walls and and understanding that a person already has a connection to it. Just mm-hmm. understanding what that connection is, whether that's church music, whether yeah. that's just liking um, the sound of it, as, as you pointed out, Steve, and, and everything between. Yeah. And, and, and that's amazing. That's something that I really that I want to happen because there's a lot of kids out here who, who hear it and correct and, and love it just like I said, but don't have a clue of what it is exactly. Um, and while we're talking about the young, uh, the younger generation, at what age um, did y'all fall in love with classical music? And also what was that piece that really captivated you, grabbed you and pulled you in? Yeah. So, so for me, again, um, if, if we're talking about classical music, what that is, it goes all the way back to the church for me. I, I love to sing and, and that's where I really fell in love. Now, as far as classical music, as most folks might think about it, um, that was, you know, when I was in middle school, I, I, I joined the band because I felt like I was too good of a singer to join the school choir. <laughs> so, um, I, I joined the band. I decided I wanted to learn an instrument. And then by, you know, learning to play the bassoon, I kind of got into, you know, the, the music in which uh, the bassoon is featured. So, mm-hmm. I, so I would say about 12, 13 um, years old is when I got into it. And I'll never forget um, the, the first piece of music. And it might not, you know, mean much to uh, most of your listeners, but it's the uh, it was the bassoon concerto in E minor by uh, Antonio Vivaldi. So v- Vivaldi wrote one of um, you know the most famous um, uh, themes in classical music. If you look up Vivaldi's Spring, you you would definitely recognize that. But um, he wrote a bassoon concerto in the key of E minor that uh, kicked it all off for me. So yeah, when, when folks ask me about that first piece of music, that's that's what it is. There was two of them for me. Obviously, everybody recognizes the Bach Toccata and Fugue, the banana, you know. So I got into that because uh, I, I thought it was cool to have an organ rattling the windows through my stereo. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just thought it was really yeah, cool. Yeah, nothing's off about that. <laughs> no, that'll that'll wake your folks up. That'll get it. <laughs> and, but also when I was a little kid at the circus, you know, they they started playing uh, the saber dance for somebody up on a high wire, you know, and I'm looking over here at the band, you know, because they had a guy on xylophone. They had the whole band tricked out to play everything. And it wasn't until years later when I was sitting in a studio and, and played the suite that that came from that I went, oh, man, I remember this from when I was a kid. Yeah. Who's that, Kachaturian? Kachaturian, yeah, yeah. And I think that that, happen, I think that that happens for a lot of people that they'll hear a piece of classical music and go, no, wait a minute, this is from 
whatever TV show, yeah. or this is from whatever movie. Or whatever you know, commercial, yeah. Yeah, if you watch Django, when all the horsemen come up over the ridge with their bags on, you know, and nobody yeah. can see and all that, that's Verdi. That's, oh, wow. Yeah, that's... Yeah, the DSRA, yeah. That's... Yeah, go listen. Go listen to that. Yeah, I'm gonna take it out. You know, and <laughs> just just these snippets, the little snippets yeah. that we're talking about, the popular bits. Mm-hmm. That's like you know, Verdi releases an album, and that little snip is the is the single. Yeah, right. So you can listen to that in like five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. That's mm-hmm. truly amazing. And and even for our listeners, I think that's I think that'll clear up some things because it's a lot of people who who listen to those Rick Ross records and hear the Justice League, Justice League, the producers play, you know, put that together and you hear that symphony in the background, mostly in like a lot of those Maybach music ones. You kind of, the way it come in, the way it drop, it's just, I don't know, it gives me chills. I love it Mm -hmm. every single time. So hopefully this clears up a lot for them so that they can actually go and experience some of those other ones. And also for some that are like closet ones, maybe they just come on out and be like, hey, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. You know, for, for folks looking for um, examples of black composers to, to look at, you know, the big names are um, William Grant Still. So um, he became the first uh, black person to have a, a, a symphony performed back in 1930. Um, his first symphony is called the Afro-American Symphony. So I would really encourage folks to uh, just go, you know, listen to the, the first five or 10 minutes of that and see if it hits with you and, and, and keep uh, going on. You know, when you listen, you'll hear that blues. You, you know, I, I've always considered that uh, opening movement a piece of music that has a lot of swagger, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, if, if folks just listen to uh, William Grant Still's um, Afro-American Symphony, uh, the first black woman to have a symphony performed um, was a, uh, a composer named Florence Price. That was back in 1933. She has all sorts of really um, phenomenal music um, in the catalog if you look up her name. And then a piece of music that uh, a lot of folks um, have been talking about lately these days is a work called The Seven Last Words of the Unarmed. So a black mm-hmm. composer, a living black composer named Joel Thompson took the last words of, um, and I'm not going to remember all of their names, but but seven victims of uh, police brutality, their final mm-hmm. words, and set it um, to music. And and it's uh, it was the first time I sat in a concert hall and actually wept in a real yeah. way, you know, yeah. listening yeah. to these words, those lyrics, and and how the orchestra and the choir drives that, um, that mm-hmm. message. So, you know, we we can talk about the Bachs and the Beethovens and all those folks, but you know, there, there's, there's classical music out there that has direct connections to not only blackness, but the blackness of today and the things that we're struggling with and fighting for today. Um, you know, we, we, we exist, but black folks and classical music exist and, and we're fighting the same battles as everyone else. Maybe not in the same way, but, but right. the same battles. Absolutely. Absolutely. What you got, Tommy? Man, all this stuff, it 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 like it's crazy that you guys are opening my eyes to to actually me realizing, oh man, maybe I have been listening to it, but I just didn't know that I was listening to it. Um and it's in like I'm saying, I'm right now just about everything that you guys are are saying to listen to and everything like that. I'm gonna try to create a Spotify playlist or something that has everything that we talked about in it. Um, one question that I do want to ask because I'm what 33 now you know rapping hip-hop is my thing that's what I listen to but like Steve was saying the Maybach music with the at the 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 intros and stuff like that they're just amazing to me you know what I'm saying 
trying to reach the younger crowd, trying to reach out to the younger people to continue the growth of it. Because I feel like when music, if you like the combination of different music, different sounds and stuff like that, you get a better sound and you get better music. So in trying to keep classical music and uh, what's the word? I don't want to say upgrade, but kind of like keeping it with the generations. Yeah, relevant, how does yeah. Mm-hmm. how does classical music um, reach the children to improve it um, or to keep it 2020 or 2021, 2022? How do we get there? And then also, how do I help as well? Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I basically think that uh, classical music institutions need to not be afraid to um, speak to folks where they are to, mm-hmm. to put in the extra work to really um, help uh, to put in the extra work to understand, you know, what piece of music um, is most appropriate for these kids? How does this speak to the communities from, uh, from which they come, whether that deals with race, whether that deals with geography, you know, mm-hmm. there, there, there are composers of, of this so-called classical music in, in, in every, you know, geographic uh, space in the country, you know, so bringing them in, the visibility of seeing uh, black people in it. Do, do, uh, do, do these black youth even know that there are uh, professional people, uh, professionals uh, who are musicians and who are black um, yeah. who that deal with classical music? You know, I, I think for so long um, we have really um, defined this as a white thing that's based on, you know, the power structures, the folks who write these textbooks, the folks who teach mm-hmm. these classes. I think moving forward, um, the institutions uh, need to have the, the, the courage to, uh, again, meet these kids where they are mm-hmm. and to provide them the opportunity to see themselves in it. So what that means oftentimes is hiring black. These institutions are all white in in their um, in their staff. You know that that's another big problem. So um, as far as reaching the young ones, you know, I, I would say um, that these institutions need to um, gain some cultural competency. Talk mm-hmm. to the people that they need to uh, talk to to understand how they can best approach um, the, these young folks and these communities, um, and 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 go from there. I, th- I think the work. Um, needs to happen on the inside. There's a lot of inside work that needs to happen before that reverberates out um, into the way that these young kids engage it. You got something, Scott? Oh, I was just going to kind of dovetail on what Garrett was saying. Um, In in reaching the younger people, um, I'm reaching out to people my age. You know, whenever whenever I'm on the air, uh, Garrett and I have experienced the fact that I get away with certain things that he doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, and where I might say something and get some backlash emails or phone calls or whatever he doesn't and vice versa. Yeah. And so I feel like in order for the kids to have a healthy exposure and outlook on this, I need to be talking to the parents. Mm -hmm. I need Mm -hmm. to be, I need to be talking to them. Like, you know, you, you understand that this music was largely built on, privilege and supremacy yeah okay so you you while it's great that you show a mozart and beethoven and all that but like garrett said you have to learn about chevalier de saint georges you have Mm -hmm. to learn about um nathaniel dett and florence price and margaret bonds and and, you know all these black folks some new composers jesse montgomery come on you know um and 
uh, I was surprised you didn't bring up Jessica Majunkins when she played with in Beyonce's orchestra. Oh yeah, shout out to her. Yeah, you know, yeah. think about Beyonce's um, homecoming. You know, she had violins up there on yeah, stage. Yeah. You know, those folks exist. Those black women exist, and they are classically trained. You know, just again providing that visibility so yeah. that folks understand that classical music is so much broader than what you've been taught. Right, right. So what I've got, that's my charge, is uh, every time I run into a white person who makes that assumption that, well, of course, this is a white thing. All the composers were black. All the players were black. And I have to go, well, um, no. And let me, let me just. Uh, you mean all I, the composers were white, all the players were white? That's what I hear. Yeah. When somebody says that right, to right, me yeah, yeah. and that, and that's why it's a white thing. Yeah. I have to. And then, so if I'm talking to those people, the people who have kids that are taking up orchestra instruments, I, I think that that's a piece, that's a component that I can play. That's yeah. a, that, that's a, a part of this fight that I can, that I can fight. Yeah. Scott, yeah. Scott is friendlier with them than I am. That's 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 why we're a good team. <laughs> hey, I look at it like I'm 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 out here getting them softened up for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> man, that's amazing. That's amazing. I hope everybody's out here writing down as we speak. This is so much, so yeah. much information and so yeah. important. Uh, so, you know, we, we talked about how we can, you know. Uh, keep this relevant. But what I, I, I want to know from both of you, if you had a chance to put together a program, you know, in, in your image for these kids and, and for the parents as well to, to really open their eyes to this, what would it look like? My program um, would be music that um, features ways and, and and of course you know all of the you know specifics of the community who the kids and parents all of that aside you know um i think you know it will be really important for me to show kids um the ways and adults the ways in which they have already engaged classical music so you know taking that afro-american symphony taking uh, the seven last words of the unarmed by joel thompson you know anything else and show sorry hold on okay i don't know if you could hear that or not but all right. Anyway, sorry. Uh, okay. So yeah, uh, taking, taking that, um, you know, t t taking that music and showing them. So you, you hear the, um, you, you hear what you hear and hear that reminds you of the church or what reminds you of blues or mm. what reminds you of what you've seen on the news. All of this is classical music that you have already in a way engaged and, and, and don't really know. So, you know, that that's, that's the program that I would put together, just demystifying that uh, idea of classical music and introducing the, uh, it to them, um, in a way that doesn't make it seem completely new. Cause I, you know, I think that's well, when it comes to anything, you know, starting or engaging something new is challenging. Yeah. So, you know, just, just showing them that it's not as new as they um, might think is, is how I would approach that. My number one would be taking it to them. Yeah. You know, um, and it's going to be hard to get people to want to go and sit in a concert hall. So a lot of these orchestras and ensembles are going to have to create, something new they're going to have to find a way to perform in non-traditional spaces so um when you get a group together to go into a school or to go to uh some sort of after school program in an inner city or something like that it's important to remember that you can't go in and take nothing but mozart and beethoven yeah. if you're going to go into a community of color play music from their from their experience mm -hmm. right and 
to show them that it is for them. Yeah. You know, you got to, you got to, you got to do it in a way that um, uh, for a lot of people, the concert hall is a barrier, yeah. you know, cause you yeah. gotta, they, they think that you gotta, you gotta put on a tie and you gotta go and you gotta sit and be quiet and <laughs> yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think if we just uh, have musicians show up in what they wear mm-hmm. and to put together uh, uh, programs that might uh, do something that actually blends the things that you know they've heard, some yeah. of the things that they might have heard, and then dash that off with the stuff that would be brand new. You know, try you to know, create something uh, fluid. Yeah. And, and sorry, I, I had to, my computer was about to die, and I have to switch out my mic and stuff. But um, Scott, you, you talk about dress. Mm. And, and, and that barrier, you know, part of my liberation as a black person has been uh, divorcing myself of as many of those Western standards as possible. And a part of that, you know, I joke around and say I'm grown. I don't wear church socks. So uh, last time <laughs> I was in the, um, last time I was in the uh, concert hall, you know, I put on what I considered my formal wear, which was jeans, um, some Jordan ones and my Black Lives <laughs> Matter T-shirt. OK, um, <laughs> That is that is an act of rebellion today. That is walking outside of the lines. We need to get to the point to where that's normal. Yeah, you know, that, 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 that's that's one of these big things. I absolutely agree. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, I feel that the best way to accept something is to let that person be themselves, so they can accept it the way they wanted to. You know, want to accept it. Um, so I absolutely agree. I, I really do think because all the images we ever seen was they go into those concerts hall and they they have on their their uh, their suits like yeah. like they're going to the prom almost with right. you know and so yes I absolutely agree man I absolutely agree. If, if, if you know if folks want to uh, get that image of you know what a black orchestra would look like, you know there are several organizations that they can um, check out. You know one of the bigger ones is called the Sphinx Organization. It's uh, based in Detroit, and they're rooted in promoting. Um, classical musicians, um, both Black and uh, Latinx. There's also the Gateways Music Festival, which is, excuse me, an all-Black, 100% Black um, uh, orchestra organization, you know, uh, global, uh, music, global musicians from the African diaspora. So you have Afro-Brazilian people there. You know, you mm-hmm. have Black folks who just happen to live um, in Germany. And, uh, and that's an all-Black orchestra that uh, folks can really dig into. You know, the first Gateways orchestra performance actually featured um, Louis Farrakhan on solo violin. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of folks don't know that he is a, a classically trained musician. Um, be, beyond that, you have um, uh, the Color of Music Festival. There's a group down in Atlanta actually called Orchestra Noir that has uh, been doing uh, a lot of great stuff. The Soulful Symphony in New York City. I can go on and on and on, you know. Um, it, it's there. The, the, the content is there. The people are there. The institutions are there. We just got to uh, do our part in, in giving them a spotlight and making sure that every time, you know, Scott and I are, are behind a microphone, we're, we're having these conversations so that folks just understand that it exists. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting um, because I didn't know that these organizations existed or this Gateways Festival was a thing. Um, the Orchestra Noir, n- nope. None of this, this. you know what I'm saying? Um, That's why I feel like this conversation is so important Um, just because for myself, and I've said this before, I'm in a bubble, you know what I'm saying? Like I listen to a specific type of music. 
I do a specific type of thing. You know, I go a specific place, but it's my bubble. And the the thing about me is I don't mind being uncomfortable with doing other things, but I just don't know to do these other things. So um, that's one of the things that I feel like is important to the black community um, as far as like the exposure of different things to know that their bubble is bigger than where, where the, the corner, the stop sign right there. You know, um, what are some of the um, like, basically, why would you say that classical music is important to the black community? And I feel like it is a lost art of the community just because as the conversation we had today, it started in the black community with the Negro spirituals and everything. So why would you say that it's important um, for the community? My, my my very short and direct answer to that is that we exist in it. There yeah. are black people who have fully dedicated themselves to this, you know, and, and we we come from all different backgrounds and, and opinions and, and and everything. So, you know, I think it's important to promote the black side of this so-called classical music because there are so many of us in it. Um, having a violin, a bassoon on our backs or whatever does not absolve us, uh, does not cancel out the struggles of being black. You know, mm-hmm. rest in peace to Elijah McClain, you know, mm-hmm. who spent his days playing the violin at a, um, at a, a animal shelter. An animal shelter. Or yeah. something. You know, yeah. we, we exist in this. Um, we don't exist in it principally. You know, we, we aren't always the face of it, but mm-hmm. that does not mean that we are an important part of it. So, you know, when we talk about the broader conversation conversation of um, black liberation, you know, creating our own and, and, and thinking of this future in which, you know, we can live without uh, being in servitude to white structures and everything else. I think we have to consider all black people, you know, all black lives matter, including yeah. those of us who have paved careers for ourselves in the world of classical music. Yeah. 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 I feel like, um, especially with the podcast, Man, I, I I just hope more and more white people start listening. Yeah. Because it's the white people that need to hear the stories about the struggles behind this music that they hold up is so fine. Mm-hmm. And that while they're getting gussied up to go out for a, a nice dinner and then hear a concert, or if they're going to, you know, um, write a big check for their public media station that plays classical music, those are the people that need to hear these stories. Yeah. Okay, and, and, so. And, and so and so many of the broader conversations, you know, again, you can find in classical music, you know, as, as Scott was talking there, uh, uh, the, the phrase culture vulture came across yeah. my mind. So that's a, that, that's a that's a, a phrase that is very much alive in hip hop. Well, yeah. it's also alive in classical music. His name was George Gershwin for folks who want to. <laughs> that rabbit hole, you know, we can talk about black appropriation of black classical music by white classical composers, you know, yeah. so. The, the the struggle is is so much bigger than um, what, what people always uh, sort, sort of think. But it's not only about the struggle; it's about the triumph, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's about the success. You know, I, I mentioned uh, William Grant Still and Florence Price. You know, two of the first black folks to really you know make a name for themselves in American classical music. There are so 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 many other stories just like that mm-hmm. that um, can inspire people outside of 
um, outside of classical music. You know, uh, I'll quickly uh, give the example of of a composer named Edmund Dede. So um, back in his day, a lot of people were um, just saying, you know, uh, fuck America. I'm I'm moving to France. And that's, you know, so we saw it in Nina Simone. We saw it in James Baldwin and and many others. And we also saw it in this black composer named Edmund Dede. You know, so Mm. every issue that is a black issue, you can probably find it in Pimple point it in classical music and there's something to be learned there man you got amazing. so dope man i have to say you know one of the big reasons i was looking forward to this conversation is um i, I wanted um so, so something that scott talks about you know uh, back in the what i guess scott late 80s early 90s you were a traveling dj and you talk about some of the the rap and hip-hop you were playing back then that you were really getting into and how that is just so different from what you hear on the airwaves uh, uh, these days. I, I was right. wondering if you could speak to that. And Tommy and Steve, if y'all could uh, speak to it as well. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Who's first? You. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> oh, yeah. So... When I was uh, when I was a mobile DJ, I was doing mainly like, uh, you know, the after football and basketball game parties at high schools, wedding receptions, uh, the occasional bar mitzvah and things like that. And so I was listening to Tony, Tony, Tony and Johnny Gill and Belle Biv DeVoe. You know, that that whole era was was my but it started like we talked earlier with the Sugar Hill Gang. Mm -hmm. And they say that Rapper's Delight is the first, quote, rap song. Right. Yeah. Well, they also have um, Apache, which is problematic. Right. So I'm trying to sort through that. Um, And Garrett, you asked me about. um, Oh, yeah. So uh, talking about the Sugar Hill Gang, it it seems like there's so much violence in rap and hip hop today, Mm. whereas the Sugar Hill Gang was talking about how nobody parties as hard as they do. You know, just every every party that they had was a banger. Nobody can get close and you're jealous of it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it felt it felt like it was a little safer then, yeah. you know, that it was all about dance moves and <laughs> and uh, and being as bad and, and being as as good at what you do as you can. Right. Right. Um, Steve, you want this one? Or you want <laughs> I, I'll jump in it. Um, yeah. And that's. That's the thing about the growth of hip hop. It it went from that just, you know, enjoying the party to become to artists becoming pretty much for uh live reporters on the scene of mm. what just happened in their neighborhood. So that's where like majority of the violence comes from. And and just like we know, in this world, sex, drugs, and violence is what sells. So as it becomes became bigger and bigger then that's what stuff was targeted. We still have those records where it's just talking about the party, talking about how good, you know, how good you can dance, or, you know, the girl in the room. A perfect example would be Nelly. Nelly did all of that. Um, And you didn't know that Nelly had this other side of him because his music never spoke to it, really. So it is definitely one of those things where the commercial side has really just gravitated to what sells. And that was one of the reasons why I, like to this day, I don't listen to the radio as much. I try my best to discover other music, enjoy other uh, other rappers, because you you still get a lot of a lot of talented MCs that they're not talking about most of that. 
Um, and then you still have some that are pre- pretty much reporting live from the blog, and then you have some that are that's all they're talking about, but they haven't lived it a day in their lives. So it's just kind of sifting through the, you know, using that sifter to get to the gems through all mm. the the sand, as I call it. You know, mm. and, you know, and, and Scott talks about um, you know the the hip hop seeming more violent these days. What what annoys me, and, and, and I'm, I'm a rap fan, I'm a hip-hop fan, but what annoys me so often is how so many of these rappers will just rely on um, the money side of things, yeah. talking talking about what they got. I'll never forget, you know, I was riding my bike um, a couple summers ago, and I decided to um, play the, uh, uh, I think it's called Everything is Love, the, the Beyonce and Hove duet yeah. album, mm-hmm. and, you know, listening to, you know, what I heard from Beyonce, this black liberation and believing mm-hmm. in yourself, and as soon as Hove was get on the mic he has to remind us that he has a rose gold rolex and all this stuff which is great we're happy for you but but what does that really have to do with me working working at my job and, and trying to pay my car note you know that, that, <laughs> that, that's where that's where my frustration comes with yeah. hip-hop so yeah. much it, it feels like so many of these artists have caught a lick you know uh, made made a little bit of money and have forgotten that there is more to music more than more to these discussions than what you were able to buy with all this new money mm-hmm not, not 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 to shit on anybody you know but, <laughs> but 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 when but when i am you know when i think back to what um, you know, folks like, again, Queen Latifah, Sister Soldier, you know, what yeah. they were doing with hip hop. And then um, I listen to, you know, what's going on today. You know, I'll, I'll get that beat. I, I enjoy it. But so often um, I just find myself wishing that I could engage, you know, the energy that hip hop had, you know, back when, back, back mm, when I was yeah. a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but absolutely. the times are different. That's a, that was the biggest thing for me. The times being so different. Um, back then in the 80s, you know, you look at Houdini is, is a is a group that I look at, man, they was talking like like Scott said, their whole diaspora was party like we're partying, period. And they and they jumping. But now you fast forward to the music today, the parties today, sex, drugs, money. If, mm-hmm. if that's not involved, man, it's not a party. But back then it was women or dudes or, you know, we just we just young and free. You know what I'm saying? We we having a party, we kicking it, we jumping, we dancing, we doing our thing. But now, you know, you got that that and that's the that's the thing about the music now. It has grown. Hip hop has grown into such a different different thing where hip hop is around the world. Now you have uh what's the group? BTS. Where they got like basically their their new edition of right. Korean pop, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they have rappers, they have singers and stuff like that. And I think their like their fan base is so crazy, but they're part of hip hop as well. You know what I'm saying? It's it's considered K-pop, but they're like the rappers in it. I don't have the slightest idea what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Can't get into it, but. You know, the fact that that hip hop has come from um, Sugar Hill Gang and and the pioneers before that um, in making, putting lyrics to a beat and then putting it out there and then mm-hmm. the world catching on to it. So everybody has gotten a piece of it. I look at J. Cole. J. Cole raps about what's happening outside today. Mm-hmm. You know, what what, you know, he sees in the rap game, like K.O.D. album. That was a, such a an, an amazing album because he's basically sitting down saying this is what's happening in the game of hip hop today. What I'm seeing, 
I mean, he's always to, been that type of rapper. Go to the opposite coast. Uh, to talk about Kendrick. You know, hip hop. Hip hop has won a Pulitzer Prize. Right. You know, I, right. I think I think he was only the second uh, black person to win the, the Pulitzer yeah. Prize mm-hmm. in music. With the first, by the way, being uh, George Walker, a black uh, classical composer. There we um, go. Who, yeah. Who, who died? Who died less than a year ago? Actually, he, really? he died in in September. You know, with, with him being the the first winner of the Pulitzer Prize uh, in in music. You know, as far as uh, uh, black folks are concerned. So you know, again, when we when we talk about hip hop winning the Pulitzer, hip hop uh, making its way over into Korea, you know, mm-hmm. of, of all places, you know, what does that all boil down to? Again, the origins of that Negro spiritual and America's original classical music. You cannot, mm-hmm. you know, you can't separate that from the conversation. Right, right. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Who, a, who is the, who's the Chuck D of today? Who's, who's... <sighs> The KRS one of 2020. See, see uh, these are oh. fighting words, guys. <laughs> That's a, I, I thought I'd try to mix uh, it up. I mean, uh. they, they call Hove the greatest of all time, right? The GOAT? Yeah, yeah. 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 Hove. He's, not, he's, not, he's not the Chuck D. Or, what? Or the, uh, yeah, he's that. not. I'm not going to say that he's the Chuck D or the KRS one of this time. Although, you know, his more recent stuff has been, uh, a, you know, about the growth of, you know, uh, Black wealth and, and so on and right, so forth. Yeah, Hove is, and all that. Yeah, yeah. Hove's a, Hove has done a definitely done a three sixty from what he's done today. Oh yeah, um, he grew I up mean, with his music. The, yeah, uh, his, or his music grew up with him. Yeah, absolutely. Both uh-huh. actually. <laughs> uh, whew, that's a good question. That is a, that's a Chuck solid question today? right there. Off top of the head, I'm thinking um, you got Wale, you got J Cole, Kendrick. Um. It was somebody that I just thought about. Oh, Nipsey. Mm. No, I'm taking that one from you, Steve. But but Nipsey is a is a one that that I'm a new fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the stuff that he talks about is um the basically uplifting and owning your own. Right. Nip is Nipsey hustle uh for uh for some of you that don't know him about Nip. Nip was just a different person. Like once you, you know, he was part of that gang, uh, that gang culture. He had those stories so he can tell them stories. But once you start to like really listen to him, he really preached about owning your masters, yeah. um, you know, working, owning your own, having your own, hustling, working hard to get where you want to be. He was such amazing. I, I hate that his, his career had to end so short. Yeah. Um, Kendrick is most definitely another one. Mm. And, I want to say, if y'all ever had a chance to listen to Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. Rhapsody, yeah, Rhapsody is dope. Yeah, check out Rhapsody. Really like she's, she's just amazing. She, she's so dope. And, and um, talk about, you know, and talk about Nipsey's impact. You know, folks who had never heard of him, you know, after, after he was killed, you know, became, you know, Nipsey Scott is a name that you even know these days because Mm -hmm. of the impact he had beyond just being a rapper and how his music, you know, fueled the conversation of owning your own and, and community development. You know, Mm -hmm. I got my master's degree uh, at the university of Southern California and actually lived, um, I didn't live in Crenshaw, I lived in Baldwin Hills, which, you know, it's not far for folks who are familiar uh, with California. And even back then, you know, that was, you know, working on 10 years ago, you could see how, um, you know, ownership and, and, and uh, how can I say, just, uh, you know, black liberation, you know, just mm-hmm. black folks owning their own was a part of that culture. And, and much of that is, is due to Nipsey. Yeah. Um, I want to throw somebody else in the pot. Killer Mike. I forgot yes. about him, but Killer Mike. 
Okay. Uh, I Trigger think Mike is probably joke. closer to Chuck D and and everybody uh, because of his message outside of music. Mm-hmm. You know, and inside of music, his last album with uh, Run the Jewels Four, it was cool. Couldn't get with the beats a lot, but um, the message behind it, you know, it was really dope. So. Still got Killer Mike's first album. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, something that, um, you know, as well as, um, you know, race being a conversation in classical music, you know, so is gender. You know, uh, women who compose have often been overlooked. And I've always found that to be an interesting connection um, to hip hop um, and and rap because, you know, it's women, again, who are are often overlooked um, in in that genre. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, like, I, I hate it that it's, it's like that because it shouldn't be. You know what I'm saying? Like, the women, like, they have some amazing music. Though uh, We had an episode where we talked about women in hip-hop and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And my biggest thing was for the popular women, they had to sexualize themselves. I used uh, Megan Thee Stallion as, a, as an example because of her... her um, Basically, her name. Look at it, Megan The Stallion. Mm-hmm. First thing we thinking about is her butt. You Nicki know, when Nash. We, when we, you know, she's a stallion. Yeah. She's she's stacked, but a stallion is actually a male horse. I I right. believe. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> nobody pays attention to that. We're just like, oh man, she got a fatty, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, and we move forward listening to her music, and that's what she's talking about. She's sexualized herself, but lyrically, she's nice. On it, like being able to put a a lyric to a beat, and it sounds good. The delivery is good. Her performance is good. You know, everything. All these things is packaged into one great album or great song. It's good, but for it to get any type of notoriety, she has to sexualize herself. And that's and, that's so frustrating to me. It's interesting that that's the case these days. You know, um, because. You know, something that uh, Nikki talks about a lot is that when she was first coming up, you know, they were trying to make her hard like, you know, Eve and yeah. like uh, uh, who else back, uh, DeBrat, you know, yeah. these female yeah. artists who were, who were kind of seen as the, you know, rough, rough riders, you know, in, in one, in, in Eve's case, you know, but, um, and, and how Nikki sort of brought in the, the girliness to it. And it seems like we've turned all the way around to where if you're not doing that, you kind of have to get the back seat, you know, where is Dave yeah. both, you know, where, where, yeah, where, yeah. where are these other folks that, you know, are, are just as good? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It is it's very amazing. Even the story that fascinated me was the Lauren Hill story where they didn't even want her to rap. Right. They just wanted her to sing. Right. And to come to find out, like, she has like one of the greatest verses on most of their songs. Yeah. And even though she was just she made just so incredible. Yeah, she made the group. That's who you looked at at the time and place. And like Queen Latifah was always one of my favorites still to this day. Mm -hmm. And the way Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah didn't dress like, you know, sexually or anything. But if you go back to some of the lyrics, she talks about some of it, but in, you know, in a respectful way as like a relationship or whatever, but she was so, the way she spit was so like, it was so hard and you had to listen and it got your attention. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, but when you start a hook with who you call on a bitch, you go exactly. listen. <laughs> yeah. You know what's about to go down. You right, kind of like, right. huh? You know, so um, just kind of thinking about the 
that journey, like you said, like even in hip hop, they didn't want to deal with most of the women rappers because yeah. they had to, they felt that it, it was so much money getting your hair done, nails yeah. done, clothes, but it shouldn't have mattered. You know, if she's got incredible talent, go for it. I'm sure you get your investment back tenfold, yeah. but you know, like we said before, sex, money, and drugs is what's selling. Unfortunately, that's what yeah. a lot of these females, uh, MCs have Fall to do. Into. Yeah. Yeah. Like city girls. I love city girls. I mean, <laughs> like the city girls. <laughs> no, no, I, hey, uh, hey. I'm not mad at the city girls. I'm not mad at all. Any, oh, man. And, 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 and excuse my French, Scott, but any niggas ain't shit anthem, I'm here for because I'm here for women getting their space in hip hop. And Absolutely. girls bring a lot of yeah. that. <laughs> so does Absolutely. me. Yeah. Oh, just man. smile and nod, boys. <laughs> smile and nod. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. This episode, man, has been truly amazing, man. Um, my eyes have truly been open to classical music and what it means and, and my experience with it because I've never paid attention to what I've actually experienced with classical music. So, um, to everybody that's listening, please start paying attention to what's being produced and what you're listening to. Look at it from a different standpoint. Start looking up who's producing this music, where they're getting their ideas and, and you know, everything they're getting to pull in music together and uh, start paying attention to those things. Um, once again, I want to say thank you guys, Scott and Garrett, um, yeah, Triloquy. We really appreciate this. Uh, moment in time to go over things that you guys actually are passionate about. And I appreciate you guys bringing that passion to our podcast. But before we go, I want to make sure that you guys get the space to um, let everybody know where they can find you guys and, and what you guys have going um, up next. Sure. So uh, the one uh, the the one stop for me is my website, GarrettMcQueen.com. Uh, if you want to uh, check out uh, Triloquy, uh, you can find that on uh, Spotify, um, uh, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, we also have a website, Triloquy.org, T-R-I-L-L-O-Q-U-Y.O-R-G. Um, this week, um, so last week we talked a little bit about cancel culture. Um, th- this week, what's on the list, you know, we're going to talk talk about uh, the, the Nick Cannon thing. Um, th- there's something that we haven't, uh, we didn't talk much about today um, in, in classical music. There's the idea of audition, uh, auditioning behind a curtain, you know, being heard and not seen. So Scott and I are going to uh, talk about uh, some, some of that this week. But listen, we're, we're, we're always trying to find ways to uh, demystify this so-called classical music and make uh, every connection um, uh, we, we can uh, with it. So, so yeah, GarrettMcQueen.com, uh, Triloquy.org. Mine's real easy. Just find Garrett first and I'm usually following him. So <laughs> you, can, you can get there. But uh, I'm also at scottblankenship.com. And if you would like to find out a little bit more about how beer relates with classical music, go over to YouTube and check out my series called Hop Notes. And 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 if I can, you know, just 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 leave your listeners with um, anything, you know, if I have to underscore uh, anything, if, if there's anything that I've said today that I want you to to really understand is that um, black liberation, um, black unity um, expands so 
far, so broad, and it's going to take all of us and all of our allies like Scott to get us there. We exist, obviously, um, in hip hop. We exist in sports. Um, we exist in the boardrooms and banking, and we exist in classical music as well. So, you know, I would really challenge everyone to, to find a way to engage a bit of that black classical music, even if it's going and listening to Wade in the Water or Follow the Drinking Gourd or one of those old Negro spirituals. Just understand that black folks do exist in this and um and everyone needs everyone's help to to make sure we get over the hump you know we, we talked about lauren hill a couple of minutes ago she said everything is everything didn't she you know, absolutely it's, 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 it's the same thing so I, I really hope everyone listening um will will keep that in mind and um and uh buy black um and uh support black in every way you can including black classical music there you go there you have it um Man, and once again, man, thank you guys for for jumping on and and taking some time out to have a discussion with us. Um, if you haven't already, please go subscribe to the podcast. Um, on you can find us on YouTube at Speaker Geekers Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Speaker Geekers Podcast. Um, you can find me on Instagram at I am Tommy T the Third, and also Steve. You can find him at the great Steve-O Steve. Man, just join the Derby Boys in the discussion this week. And uh, yeah, so I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of Speaker Geekers Podcast. This episode has been produced by 3M Media. And uh, Steve, you got anything? No, no. I'm, I'm, I really don't have nothing today. You good? You good? Scott, yeah, you got good. anything? I'm I'm just glad to be good, here. Good, Gary, you you good? <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> All right, guys, we out, man. Peace. Peace. All right.